Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Veterans Day weekend is the perfect time to sit down and watch a war movie, including the World War I masterpiece 1917. In 2019, I spoke with Oscar-winning director Sam Mendes and screenwriter Christy Wilson-Cairns about making an entire film look like one long single take. Sam Mendes? Christy Wilson-Cairns. Who are the director and writer, respectively, of the new awesome war movie, 1917. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and congrats on the, the Golden Globe nods and everything. Um, I, uh, I want to start off um, by the, the little thing you flashed right before the end credits. It actually made my wife tear up, but the, the grandfatherly connection here, um, because when you make something personal, obviously, it, it, it carries so much more weight. But um, take our listeners in, into, into how, you know, when you've flashed that name, Mendez, of why a World War I movie means so much to you. Well, notice that, uh, that you blame the crying on your wife. That's what all the men do. Yeah. I, was, I, had uh, I was next to a woman who, who, who was crying. I, I was totally dry-eyed. Um, uh, yeah, so um, the film is dedicated to my grandfather, Alfred, who fought in the First World War, enlisted at the age of 17, and told us uh, when I was probably 11 or 12 the stories of his exploits in that war. He'd never spoken of it at all, didn't speak of it to his own children, but for whatever reason, by the time he got to his 70s, he, he was obviously ready to, to tell people. And um, it was an extravagant array of stories. He was there for a long time. He won two medals. He was uh, gassed. He went back home. He was injured. Uh, but all the stories were not about heroism or bravery, particularly. They were all about um, how fortunate he was and uh the number of coincidences it took for him to remain living by the end of the war. Uh, but he told one particular story about having to carry a message across no man's land in the mists. And it was that image of that one little man, he was very small, uh, alone in that vast, misty emptiness that stuck with me. And when I came to have the courage to sit down and write, that was the story I felt compelled to tell. And then I got it into kind of form of a treatment and then um my good friend and collaborator christy here actually helped me put it into a script because you know I, i'm that that was beyond me i, I sort of froze at that point <laughs> and then it became a true collaboration because she brought an enormous amount to the table um, but it all started with that image of my grandfather i want i want to get into the, the directorial visual cinematography uh, you know that of doing it all in, in one you know the, the illusion of one single take um but just from a from a script level you know so you, you know christy you get this treatment was was the concept of doing it as a single take there from the beginning and then how are you then trying to flesh it you know is it is it a lot more of a, a action lines on a page than you know than a typical thing or how do you write that into a screenplay for a, a single shot movie um well writing a screenplay for a single shot movie is is rather difficult <laughs> i'm made considerably easier by the fact that you know sam was my co-writer uh and that he is you know a real to use the term very literally an absolute visionary he this script just would not have been possible without someone who had the imagination to to render a whole film on the page and so yet what it has to be instead of a traditional script which is a roadmap this script had to be the destination it had to read like the final film and that required Sam and I just giving 110% every day, which we did. And I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with the finished article, <laughs> rather narcissistically. I think it's wonderful. 
<laughs> awesome. Did you do, um, you know, when you set out to do something like that, do you, do you research other single take? I mean, obviously they did Birdman a couple years ago. There's Russian Ark. And then, of course, Rope, Hitchcock's. Um, do you go back and look at some of those and say, oh, you know, Hitchcock would mask it when the canister would run out on a, someone's black jacket and then they'd swipe across? Or, you know, I mean, did you research other single shot movies? Well, I'd seen most of those when they came out. And, um, not rope. Yeah, you're a little too young for that. No, I didn't see rope when I came out. Uh, I'm nearly old enough to have seen rope when it came out. Um, but uh, I didn't look excessively at it. I thought it was pretty straightforward. I talked a lot to the visual effects department about how we might, you know, um, how we might do it in unconventional ways. Uh, and some of those stitches, and for those people who are listening, you don't understand what I mean. I mean, you know, you're really shooting the movie in long continuous takes which then get stitched together to appear as if they're one long shot but that I couldn't possibly reveal <laughs> to you but not as not many um so you know uh sometimes what causes that is your shifting locations you know you're having to um and for those who haven't seen it you have to imagine one long two-hour single set really that you know if you write no man's land followed by a german dugout followed by a quarry woods hills orchards farmhouses roads that's all very well but they all have to happen exactly the right moment in the script the scene can't be longer than the land and the land can't be longer than the scene so that meant rehearsing for months and months on empty fields and only digging the trenches and building the farmhouses and the orchards and the quarries once we knew exactly how long the journey was so it was a job of, of it was a real job of engineering and, and a, a kind of group effort from the very beginning <clears throat> um, and I think that you know, for me, that's the most remarkable technical achievement from the crew is that rather than the stitching of the shots together. The stitching of the shots together is actually once you've planned it and thought about it, not that complicated. There were a couple that gave us a real headache. Um, but beyond that, I think actually that weirdly, even though it was one of the first things we talked about incessantly, is probably the thing we talk about least now. Um, and I think a lot of in, in, in certain occasions, even I've forgotten that there, are, that there are blends in certain points and have to remind myself. Um, but there's a lot of focus on, you can focus too much on the how of it all and not on the why. Um, and the why is because I wanted that unbroken relationship between a camera and the characters. And because it's a race against time, and in a race against time, you really do feel every second ticking down with the the men as they as they try to you know, get to where they need to get to. Um, and then the other challenge is this dance between camera and characters and landscape that has to be evolving and changing all the time. So you don't, it doesn't become monotonous or repetitive. It expresses lots of different things within the same shot, geography, distance, physical difficulty, and also gets quite intimate and, um, and connected to the characters. And it's that combination of the two that, that was the most tricky to achieve. Um, so, yeah, it was an unusual film in almost every respect. How about in terms of uh, a little more technical, you know, with, with, with Deacon's cinematographer, you know, he must be fighting light, you know? <laughs> when you shoot a regular movie, you're trying to get the best light, and here, you know, if, if cloud cover comes over, then it's not going to match the continuous shot, you know? So just talk about some of the challenges with that and how Roger and yourself, you know, were able to navigate that visually. Yeah, we, we had to keep it. 
as a single continuity. Therefore, we, we decided we didn't want to shoot in sunshine. So a lot of the time we were waiting for the sun to go in or heavy rain, obviously. Um, it can't start raining in the middle of a shot. Um, uh, you know, sort of go from sunny to a downpour and all that sort of stuff. So it has to be a continuity. But um, we were in England, so we were never far away from cloudy weather. Um, uh, but, you know, you also want this sort of accidental feeling to a lot of stuff. You want it to be planned but not overly controlled. You want the camera to have precision, but you want the actors to have spontaneity and to feel like life and not pre-planned, not robotic. You know, you don't want it to feel like every step has been rehearsed to the nth degree. So you want little accidents. You want the light changing. You want things unexpected, gusts of wind and animals and babies and things that don't perform exactly as you imagine. And there are two or three key moments where you know, you know, George playing Schofield gets knocked off his feet at one point. That wasn't planned. Um, you know, that was an accident, but it, it, it has the feeling of reality because, you know, in a way it almost was when you're working in nine, 10 minute takes, you know, um, you are encouraging them to live as much as to act. Absolutely. Um, and in terms of, you know, when you're writing the script too, um, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for viewers, but let's just say, you you do an admirable job of planting certain elements, like maybe there'll be cow's milk that might come in handy later, or you know what I mean. There's different, um, ha, you know, you know, you have to write this thing that's this going to be everyone's going to be talking about it, this visual masterpiece. But talk about sort of how you're trying to set up those character beats too, and, and how you know a run in you know with a woman with a baby or a run in you know how how it's important to plant those little things along the way that shows a character growth. Well, it's tricky because the film has to feel like reality. It has to feel like, you know, 115 minutes in someone else's life. And so as storytellers, Sam and I realised we could only push reality so far before an audience would reel back and go, oh, I don't believe this would all take place over one day. I don't believe this would all take place over one life. And so there's a tightrope you have to walk. Um, and so you're trying to craft a narrative, but at the same time, you're trying to appear totally invisible. So, And actually, that was sort of a theme throughout. Every technical aspect of this movie, from the script, you know, all the way through to the edit, and, and past that was incredibly challenging, but we were never trying to be self-advertising across the board. We, we actually wanted you to forget you were watching a film. So you never feel Samurai's hand moving the narrative. You never feel um, necessarily Roger moving the camera. And I don't think you feel the editing, but all of those things were working in concert to build the, the story. I want to know how you got that the shot where they jump off and it goes underwater. How was that even achieved? Like, is is the cameraman on a harness or is there like a special crane that goes down in the water? Like, seriously, I want to know from directing, like, how do you even achieve that? Or is that like a magician revealing the trick? Uh, yeah, it is a little bit revealing, like, like um, <laughs> you know, ignore that man behind the curtain, as he says <laughs> in The Wizard of Oz. So, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely ignore the man behind the curtain on that one. Um, but, you know, there's sleights of hand, there's skillful visual effects, there's rigs, you know, uh, descender rigs, bungees, a very brave actor, um, a real river, you know, all these things thrown in. Um, and, and you, you know, also timing, you know, it has to happen in a way that you don't quite prepare yourself for it. So it's almost over before you realize it's happened. So sometimes it's about choosing your moment within the narrative to do it. Um, so that you, you're not over prepared for it, um, 
and I learned a, l- a little bit of that on Bond as well. You know that that sense of um, taking the audience by surprise. It's the best thing ever, uh, by the way. Yeah. Skyfall, well, yeah. thank you very much. But 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 I think that 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 was <clears throat> you know something I I, I learned. Uh, along with not to be afraid of a few big bangs. <laughs> well, I know they're giving me the go home, but really quick, 20th anniversary of uh, American Beauty. How much have you, I mean, you were doing some really cool stuff with populating the symbolic uh, red petals behind, the, you know, in, in a lot of the shots. But talk about, and just memories of that real quick, and, um, you know, just how you think you've grown, because that was, that was your first big Oscar-winning, you know, foray, and 20 years later, you're now constructing single takes, man. I mean, you've, you've one of the greatest directors uh, that we have gone now so just memories that real fast well thank you very much for a start my memories are almost all positive it was one of those very unusual experiences normally as a director you you realize that there's no correlation there's no link between the pleasure you have doing something and and how good it is sometimes you have a great experience and it's terrible and but equally so you have a terrible experience and the movie can work out or the play can work out really well but this was one of those rare ones where i i I actually enjoyed it i think the thing that uh, still strikes me is how it, it you know it wasn't expected to be anything at all i mean i remember the la full preview of all the movies coming out in the fall, the LA Times full preview, and I was like so excited. Where's my movie? And they forgot it. It wasn't even in it at all, you know, because it, it, been alphabetical for it just exactly it just wasn't on the radar, you know. And I think for that movie, you know, to end up doing what it did was was something that probably never happened again. But um, but yeah, I, I look back with fondness. And you'll always have uh, Paul Newman's last on-screen role, not the Pixar thing, but on-screen in Road to Perdition. So, hey, I know we got to go. So thanks so much for joining us. And I'm, I'm pulling for this movie hard this award season. I really do. I think we have something special here. So maybe another best director down, down the line. So thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. I also spoke with cast members George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman. George McKay. And? Dean Charles Chapman who are the stars of the awesome new war movie, 1917. Uh, Thanks for joining us, guys. Congrats on the movies, you know, Golden Globe nods and all that stuff. I loved it. I thought it was, I think it's one of the better war movies I've seen in recent years. So, Um, you know, of course, the the big thing with this is, you know, it's it's all shot in one or the illusion of one continuous single take, let's say. Um, It's got to be a million challenges of, of being able to do that. Like you have to you know, not only have a performance turned on, but you have to run and hit so many different, you know, marks. And, you know, like, how, how insanely difficult is that? Well, it's, it's funny. It never seemed like, other than the very first day and kind of going, okay, this is, this is one shot. We weren't sort of like, you know, jumping to the top of the mountain. We just, the process was so gradual that it didn't seem too scary. Like, we rehearsed for six months, all in all, to, um, to basically choreograph the route of the film. And that was a sort of, uh, I don't know, a very mutual collaborative process. And we just took it step by step, layer by layer. Yeah. And are you, I mean, had you guys been familiar with any, you know, previous things like that? Like, you know, they did Birdman, of course, Hitchcock's Rope. Um, had, did you watch any of that to sort of familiarize it with that? Or is it was it just its own beast? No, I mean... Uh, uh, we didn't really go out of our way to sort of watch anything in particular to sort of, you know, take from or or mimic in in a way. This was really its own story, and it's, you know, I, I did watch Birdman though like on another occasion after we'd 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 finished filming, um, but but it's you know I, I think that no one's ever really made a film like in this way, um, you know, and you really can't tell 
you know, you know, if we cut or when, you know, when when it was stitched together. Um, but but the thing I love about this film, it's it's you know, it's set in the First World War, but it's not about the war. You know, it's, it just follows two you know very human men that happen to be soldiers. It's a very human story on a you know told on a very human level. Um, it's definitely a roller coaster, isn't it? It's very yeah. very immersive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and when we were talking with um, Sam and Christy earlier, is you know they, they were saying that so many people are focusing on the how it was made, but you know the technical aspect. But they also wanted to make sure we talk about you know the why, which is you know it, it creates an immersive experience that you know it's sort of that race against the clock kind of a thing. Um, talk about. I also know that you know right before the end credits, they they flash up where you know it's sort of a homage to his grandfather's experience um, that made my wife and I tear up a little bit. We said, "Oh, it was another, based on another Mendez." Oh my God, it's his grandfather. Um, talk about. I mean, did you feel any? You know, I don't want to say pressure, but you know, like, was it more important to you that you know that there was such a personal connection with Sam and you were in, in essentially playing his grandfather? You know. I will, you know, we were never playing his granddad. Like Dean and I are, are completely fictional characters. This is this is in the spirit of Sam's granddad and and all the men. And I, yeah, I mean, of course, we, it was um, there was there was a responsibility and a duty, which is, I guess, the themes of the film. But it was never a burden or anything. It was more, if anything, it's just an inspiration, you know, to to, to keep working at it. Yeah. How logistically does that work? You you have you know. Colin Firth just hanging out in his little spot and then Benedict Cumberbatch waiting at the end of your giant <laughs> puzzle piece you know are they just are they just hanging out there for the whole thing or I mean I guess it depends how many single shots there were because it's it's several right but um how does that actually work are do you guys rehearse real fast and then they just hang out there until you get there you know a half hour later or you know how does that actually work uh, I mean, I think, you know, like Colin's characters and Benedict's and Andrew Scott's, Mark Strong's in it as well. I mean, they're, they're just sort of characters that Blake and Schofield meet along the way. Um, so so really, they was only there for like a couple of days filming um, or, or a day. Um, but but they turned up to our rehearsal period as well to sort of work through the scene. And we, we rehearsed for six months. So so they was definitely present in the rehearsal process. Um, but but yeah, I mean, what, what they brought, to, to their characters and, and the film is very special and uh, you know as an actor you know I look up to them people and it was very inspiring and blew my mind every day <laughs> um, and then uh, without spoiling anything but we can I think we can at least say you know a driving there's a little bit of a private Ryan element of trying to you know get a message because there's a brother you know waiting um, but uh, talk about your character's growth in terms of you know, where do you think he is at the start of that that single take versus the end? You know, where what what emotional journey do you think he he goes through? Loss, obviously, we're not going to spoil things, but you know, he goes through a lot of stuff through that. But how 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 do you think he's a different man at the end? I think um, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a just it's a day that changes your life. I think him, but. Uh, I don't. I don't really know. I think. It, I think you just. To me, when I when I finally watched the film, I think it's equivalent to kind of almost what Schofield goes through. When I watched the film, I um I became very clear on who I love most in my life and where I root myself. And I think that's what the film's about mainly. And is is the way in which when humans are stretched and when you when you're pulled to your absolute nth degree, emotionally and physically, 
it becomes very clear of what you actually need. And we've, we're lucky enough to be in, you know, in a world where we, we can consider more than what we just absolutely need. But um, for me, when I watched it, it was it was it became clear on who 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 means most to me in my life, and you know who I love in my life, and um, and I think that's probably what Schofield's feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully it does that for audiences too. It did yeah, for me. So yeah, um, talk about sort of how your characters. Um, you have sort of a big-hearted, give the enemy a benefit of the doubt. You know, maybe an enemy combatant will crash a plane, and you want to help them, or or you encounter a guy, and you you know you try to make peace, and it always seems to backfire in this movie. <laughs> but um, but just talk about what in their character makes them. They have those moments of those human moments where you don't really see them as the enemy combatant for a second. I think it's it just you know it's just one of them things when. You know, we say this: if this room set on fire, you know, I'd jump out that window. I'd save you. I'd save you. But you never really know how you'd react in, in you know, if that actually happens here. Um, but of, of course, you know that they 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 were fighting an enemy of you know what they fought, and but they're they're just humans, you know. And when you hear someone needing help, crying, or you know, they you know, you just you know, react to that however you do, and. You just just be human about it. I think that that's the really good thing about this film is that it's, you know, even though they're at war with each other and stuff, they are just still humans. And if this story was, you know, told about two German soldiers or two French soldiers, it'd be the exact same thing, and they'd react the exact same way. And there's a there's a lot of moments in the film where, you know, you think something will happen, and actually, it turns out they do something completely different. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like. It's almost like if we listen to what we're saying in this conversation in terms of they have human moments and like why should that only be a moment <laughs> in right, terms right, of yeah. like what you know what why is the why is that why is that the unique moment like why is that the unique spot if if we just saw each other as people then sure <laughs> so much of what's going on in the world would would not be there so like you know the negative stuff so I th- I, th- I just think that's that's probably mindful that you know rather than that be a a unique thing just see people as people yeah um and uh you know you two well the three of us i'd like to think we're a little more um, relatively on the younger buck side you know <laughs> but but talk about how cool how cool it was working yeah, yeah right yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 well yeah this thing's gonna turn gray at the end um but you know talk about how a thrill of working you know with you let's say Benedict or, or Colin, you know, those, you know, just yeah. d- dish on how cool those or anything you learned from those yeah, veterans. Like, like that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. They, um, uh, they're, 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 they're amazing. They're like, they're masters, you know, like I think they all work in, you know, Colin, Benedict, um, you know, Andrew Scott, they've, they've all, they all kind of have their own process and everything. But the, um, the one uniting factor I've, I found was the specificity of their work. And, and it was amazing you know, life is so detailed. We've all got our little idiosyncrasies. We've all kind of got our, you know, we're all so individual, be it down to a movement, be it to a way that our accents, you know, the way we put intention on a certain word. And they they just pull all of that detail out of the scene. You know, they, they just juice the scene for to make it as alive as it can be. Um, and that was really amazing to see. Yeah. Talk about... Um Sam's brilliance as a director. I mean, we've talked about, you know, a lot of the technical wizardry and just synesthetic stuff of the long single takes, but in terms of working with actor-wise, you know, what's his process with you guys as actors? Did he work with you a lot ahead of time, character work, or, you know, what's his process? I loved working with Sam. I mean, 
he really is a master at, at directing and, and what he does. And, and I think he really is an actor's director. You know, he was so good at talking to us and talking to us about the story we're trying to tell. And, and what was really comforting for me is that, you know, Sam had written the script with, with Christy and he had a real crystal clear vision of, of the story and the characters. And having a director that knows your character just as well as you do, that's very comforting because you know that he's going to lead you, hopefully, in the right direction. And, and Sam did. Um, and, and the same as Roger as well, to be working with Roger. And what's amazing to see is these people have been in the industry a long time. And, you know, they they still love what they do. They're so passionate. You know, that's, that's very inspiring to watch and be able to work with them. And in terms of his, you know, where this fits in his larger, let's say, body of work filmography, I mean, do you guys have a, a favorite Sam Mendes movie? I mean, we have American Beauty, 20th anniversary of that, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, 99. Uh, God, Road to Perdition, Revolutionary Road, the James Bond stuff. I mean, what, do you guys have, do you know, remember when, you remember when you first discovered him or any favorites? I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's got such an amazing theater, you know, um, True. repertoire as well. And um, but I think for me, a film that was kind of went under the radar a wee bit was Jarhead. Like I, I you know, and, and I, I remember when I first watched it, and I rewatched Sam's film, films before we before we got to filming, and um, yeah, with Jarhead particularly, I was like, man, where, where did this go? Like, where does that like? I, I sort of because I, I feel like it perhaps wasn't as celebrated as it, as it could have been, you know, which is just the luck of the draw, I guess. But it had some Full that, Metal Jacket elements. Yeah, and I thought Jake Gyllenhaal in that, and obviously that I think that was the first time that Roger and Sam collaborated as well. Jamie Foxx too, right? Yeah. Jamie Jamie yeah. Foxx is amazing. Jamie Foxx is amazing. Such Hoorah. an amazing cast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, but then the, the strangeness of some of those images, like you know, the conversation that Jake Gyllenhaal and Jamie Foxx have with all the the towers of like the burning oil, the yeah. towers of burning oil. It was just like. This is incredible. Are they singing <laughs> yeah. like the Mickey Mouse song or something? As oh, I, I remember, the... I have some image of them singing the Mickey Mouse Club theme, walking across those burning oil fields. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's just burning my brain. Then, then there's like a horse comes through. It's like yeah. this sort of surreal, otherworldly yeah. place. But I, I, I really love Jarhead. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I love, I love uh, Skyfall. Thought that was a great James Bond. I'm a big James Bond fan. Um, but American Beauty, I think, I think that's my favourite one of Sam's. Yeah, I do. I remember the first time I watched it, and uh, you know, I loved all the performances in that and the story. And yeah, I think it's it's one of my favourite films. And uh, 1917. Yeah, <laughs> 1917. There's no plastic bags floating through the breeze yeah. in yeah. this one, but it's a little different. Yeah. But uh, speaking of weird horses that appear out of nowhere, Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, um, that was my best segue I could do out of what you just yeah. said. <laughs> um, just memories of working that that real fast, if you don't mind, just because oh, um, yeah. it just wrapped and it was such a huge series, and you know, Tom and taking that plunge out the window, yeah. man. But um, were you were you pleased with the way they wrapped it up? What well, I uh, I actually didn't watch the last season. Really? No, I, but I mean, I know everything what happens, and I've seen. You know, clips on the internet, what people's tweeted me and stuff of certain scenes, like Jamie and Cersei's, you know, spoiler alert, sure. dev. Um, but you know what? I mean, I, I think it was, you know, for me as an actor to be able to play a character that was completely different from me was just an honour. And I loved, I loved working on it. I loved the scripts. You know, even though sometimes I got to admit I was a bit frustrated with my character a lot of the times. I always wanted more from him. You know, I wanted him to be written in a, you know, a better way. But that was just my character. But um, yeah, I mean, I was amazed to you know get the part and be able to play play Tommen. And you know, when I first got the job, it was like walking on around Disney Disney World, you know, <laughs> all the different sets and all the different characters in their yeah. costumes. 
but yeah, I mean that's that's part of as, as well why I didn't watch the last season is because once you're a part of something, it just ruins like the magic of watching stuff. You know, you can't really separate. So, yeah. but um, the way it ended, it was the way it ended, and that, that's that's what it is. Well, and it, I mean it was one of the greatest shows ever. So proud to be a part of it. You know, you should be. Um, but hopefully that's not the case of where it ruins the magic. But you know, with 1917 for you guys, because I hope you can watch it and just. Get, I think maybe with that immersive experience, you can really enjoy it. So real fast in closing, as I wrap up, what do you want our listeners to take away from that? They go see it maybe with their family on Christmas Day or whatever. Is this sort of what you were talking about earlier with you know the people you love in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's as again, it's it's about it's about the human experience more than any any thing and and yeah and I I mean it's not for me to say what people take from it but what I do hope is that that people see it in the cinema like this is it's kind of a rarity that this is a film geared to for the cinema and the cinematic experience like you don't I don't think you watch the film you experience the film and so yeah if folk can see it in the cinema that would be amazing yeah see it on the big screen folks all right thanks so much appreciate it Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.